to be back in studio today so i had to take a little hey it is uh for the last two weeks uh, with everything with the holidays and whatnot but also i didn't realize it after struggling with foot pain for two weeks but i had a shorter glass stuck in my foot so and I, I was working so much i couldn't take time off and get to the doctor i thought that, oh, well, it'll go away. I'm soaking my foot. This and I get another lump on my foot. And finally, I had a day off and I thought, I can't take this anymore. And I called the doctor. And lo and behold, um, I, ha I had glass in my foot. So, you know, lesson to you out there if something doesn't seem right and it's not going away after a, a normal amount of time, don't just think it's going to go away and uh, self medicate. Get to the doctor. I was really lucky that the glass didn't hit a vein or an artery or something and it had actually this swelling i thought was just from my foot being inflamed because of the the cut no one had abscessed so you know something a little thing in your body can 
cause a lot of problems if it's not attended to. But, you know, I'm walking normal and I'm, I'm standing again normal and I feel like I have a new lease on life. But, you know, just let that be a lesson that if something's chronically bothering you that's not usual, go and get it checked out, you know. Don't, don't minimize uh, your health, you know. Uh, so uh, we're right in the middle of this frigid weather here uh, on the East Coast. It's so crazy. It was 60-something last week, and now we got snow and ice. And uh, really make sure you're bundling up. And don't leave your animals outside uh, during this weather, even if they are a, a husky breed or, you know, come on. It's 8 degrees out. Bring Fluffy inside. Uh, let, let, let's uh, keep our animals safe uh, so last night here in Philadelphia uh, we had a kind of sad iconic moment uh, one of the most famous and influential uh, and iconic news broadcasters here uh, retired partially retired Jim Gardner who has been uh, the anchor of the 11 o'clock news here on uh, channel 6 WPVI uh, ABC affiliate uh, he has uh, been the anchor of the network and just the leader of the whole news team for over 40 years. So he announced this year that he was easing his process into retirement. So la last night he had his last broadcast um, on the 11 o'clock news. And this evening he's it passed the torch. And this evening Rick Williams, who has been with Channel 6 for over 30 years, will be taking over. Uh, the helm. Um, of course, uh, Lisa Thomas Laurie, who are uh, one of our former guests, uh, they worked together at Channel 6 for many years. Um, he really was the anchor of that in that network, and uh, he's going to be doing the six o'clock news now for the next year, and, and then he'll be retiring at the end of the year. It really is at the end of an era. Um, yeah, but uh, Rick Williams is a great, great reporter and has a really nice uh, personality. But for those of you here in the Del Val, it's like a, a culture shock moment. Because here in Philly, either you're a Channel 6 family <laughs> or you're in Channel 10 or Fox. And, uh, you know, the reporters at Channel 6 really uh, have become like your, fa your family. You know, you trust those newscasters to deliver the news to you professionally. You, uh, you know, you turn to them to keep you informed on what's going on in the day and in a professional and a warm way and with integrity and Jim Gardner really did that and he also mentored many many of the reporters uh, like Adam Joseph and Rick Williams uh, uh, throughout the years and uh, we're sad to see him go uh, but uh, Channel 6 really uh, gave him such a nice tribute and uh, Jim Gardner talked a lot at the end of the network thanking his production team and all the people on Channel 6 that have you know uh, been a key part to his tenure and success on the network so it truly was at the end of an era uh, it was funny when Lisa Thomas Laurie uh, came on the show she was reflecting 
reflecting that Jim has just been such a big part of that network for so long. When he retires, it's just not going to seem the same. And he's so dedicated to the, the news that they're going to have to drag him kicking and screaming. But it's also like when you you uh, follow a network for a number of years and you, just the reporters seem like your family and you see them get married and have kids and as you you all age together. And, you know, he, he covered so many important stories, both locally here in Philly and nationally, and really raised the bar for integrity in broadcasting. So, you know, we say thank you to Jim Gardner uh, for holding us down with the news all these decades. Uh, we're sad to see him go. But uh, I think the man does deserve retirement after over 50 years in broadcasting. Uh, so now in other news, uh, starting off in the show, we lost uh, this past week and a half-ish. Yeah, two major icons who I actually, you know, shaped me throughout my life and, you know, um, really uh, phenomenal human beings uh, that we're going to uh, pay spotlight and tribute to. So first, uh, let's uh, talk about Betty White, uh, who sadly uh, passed away of a stroke just Oh, almost uh, 14 days before her 100th birthday, Betty White is TV and film actress, comedy icon, but also one of her big passions in life uh, was being an animal activist. Uh, Betty White was an early pioneer of the early years of television and radio with a career that spanned 80 years. Uh, Betty Mar White leaves such a mark, not only just on the entertainment industry, but um, pop culture as a whole. And throughout her career, she was a trailblazer uh, for women in entertainment and defying what women can do in entertainment and stereotypes. And also, she really uh, defied a lot of ageism stereotypes. Betty White was the first woman to provide, uh, to produce a sitcom, uh, Life with Elizabeth. Uh, in her early career, Betty was referred to as the first lady of game shows. Uh, she appeared on Password, Match Game, Hollywood Squares, and the $25,000 Pyramid. Uh, and she was known for her quick and witty and sassy banter. Her biggest TV roles include playing Sue Ann Nivens on The Mary Tyler Moore Show uh, from 1973 to 1977, uh, her role as Rose Nyland on The Golden Girls from 1985 and 1992, and also uh, playing Alka Ols, I think it was pronounced Olsroski, on Hot in Cleveland, which of course ran on the TV Land Network from 2010 to 2015. 
Now, the Mary Tyler Moore Show was a groundbreaking show in the 1970s for many reasons. At its time, it, it was groundbreaking for showing single career women dating, supporting themselves, living on their own, and working in the newsrooms, and navigating the politics and sexism that was rampant in the news industry and entertainment industry, but especially in the news industry in the 1970s. And a lot of that was courageously portrayed in, in comedic skits uh, throughout the seasons of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. At that time, there were uh, very few, if none, female news anchors. Um, and so that show was really groundbreaking, and also it was defying gender stereotypes at that time that, you know, you should not live on your own as a woman, you should be married, that should be your main goal, uh, and, you know, you should find a man and have him support you. You know, these were the social uh, thoughts uh, and messages that women were raised with in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, so this, uh, the Mary Tyler Moore Show was really a revolutionary show at that time um and of course the golden girls was also groundbreaking in its own way because it defied a lot of age stereotypes it was the first show of its kind to focus on three single women uh who were living together who were over age 50 uh, and they each had their own story of widowed or divorced and they were finding their way together as friends and finding purpose they were in the show uh, most of them were retired so that again was the first show of its kind to address issues of well when we retire how do we stay relevant and and active and engaged in life and it showed uh, these women having active social and romantic lives and sex uh, in a day where society tries to create all these ages stereotypes that after age 30 that part of your life doesn't exist or you shouldn't think that way or you know so the golden girls through uh, its comedy was very uh, political you know so the uh, betty white was part of that you know breaking uh, through the stereotypes and showing that women can still be social and active and have goals and be happy and find family with each other and date and still be thriving into their senior years now uh, throughout her career betty won five Emmy Awards, including a 2015 Lifetime Achievement Award. She was inducted into the Hollywood Television Hall of Fame in 1995, and in 2009, she received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now, in addition to her groundbreaking uh, TV work and film work, where she really opened up the door for many women, and even her character, Sue Nivens, you know, uh, was a, a very flirty, sassy, um, you know, woman. And again, in, at the time when that show ran in the 70s, 
women were told that they were supposed to be quiet and not have an opinion, but and just accept and not and not want more than what what's put on their plate. So uh, these sassy women in the office, and I really was groundbreaking and showing women in more than one dimensional, stereotypical ways. Um, throughout her, her life, Betty White was an animal welfare advocate and worked uh, with the LA Zoo. She was actually on the board of the LA Zoo for many years. Uh, she worked uh, with the American Wildlife Foundation, and she was also an advocate for the LGBT uh, community, uh, for same-sex marriage, gay rights, and she was also known uh, for being an advocate for social and racial injustice issues, and really, uh, when she had her shows, yeah, because uh, she had her own show as well, The Betty White Show, and she was very firm in a time where um, it, on major networks it was frowned upon to uh, book guests of other colors and backgrounds. She really took a, a stand on that. She was always uh, just such a warm and lovely spirit and just encouraging uh, people to be kind to each other. She was just so known for her warmth, and she gave us decades of laughs and smiles, but she also was a woman who really stood her ground um, and, uh, and opened the door for many women at a time where it was really controlled by men. Uh, she stood firm and, and paved, paved the way uh, for, for many of us. And just outside of entertainment, you know, looking at her 80-year career, she was a nice person up until the end, caring and kind. And she stood firm on who she was and, and uh, you know, uh, what she was about. You never heard stories of her stepping on people politically and, 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 and just being uh, rude or anything like that and uh, arrogant like a lot of things you hear with old actresses fighting and all that kind of stuff. Betty White was always just funny and it's just so quick-witted and just intelligent and humor but also she just walked in a, a level above everybody else she never stepped down to the level of being petty uh, she always carried herself with grace and uh, we thank you for the decades of of laughter and light. So uh, we're gonna take our first break and we're gonna uh, play a cross section of her Emmy speeches um, and, and a, a little bit from the Golden Girls. Uh, so keep it locked into Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends Radio and we'll be right back. And we send comfort out to all of her loved ones and as pay tribute to the legacy and life of Betty White. We've been so keyed up and so geared up all day, all week, because just getting down into the finals and being in a place like this with all the people that are in this room, I am the lucky one who gets to come up and pick up this beautiful golden girl. But Estelle and Rue and B and I all thank you. We're a match set, you can't split us up. We wanna thank 
the network for taking a chance on four old bro uh, ladies. <laughs> it was such a wonderful show to be part of, the John Larroquette show, and I appreciated all the people, not only on the stage, but those that wonderful gang of writers, some of them from Golden Girls, who really saw into the true Betty. He died. What? Oh, no, Rose. And the sheriff, I told him about me, how I kill men. <laughs> As herself. Betty White. Betty White. Betty White. Come and get it, Betty. Betty White. I tell you, when you hear that list read, Julie and Nancy and Loretta and Georgia.
and friends. Now, if you uh, want to pay tribute to Betty White and her legacy in your own way, uh, there's been a really nice movement that has started uh, out there that people are rallying together to commit to adopting a pet on January 17th, which, uh, of course, would have been Betty White's 100th birthday in tribute to all of her decades of uh, of dedicated uh, work towards finding animals' homes and fighting for animal rights. So uh, January 17th is a great day to adopt an animal and pay tribute to Betty White. So now uh, we pay tribute to second icon that we lost this week. Uh, just a, an amazing, inspirational human being, uh, Sir Sidney Poitier, uh, who was known by all for being so kind and and just not only an activist but an actor, producer. Uh, Sidney Poitier, a bohemian American actor, film director, and activist, and ambassador. Uh, passed away uh, this week at the age of 94. Uh, in 1964, he won the Academy Award for Best Actor uh, for the film Lilies in the Field. And he became the first African-American and bohemian actor to win uh, the Academy Award. Sidney Poitier uh, opened up the door, paved the groundwork uh, for every successful African-American actor of today. Uh, without Sidney Poitier, there would not be Denzel Washington, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, and a, a long a list of accomplished, amazing, award-winning African-American actors. Uh, Sidney Poitier ca came up in a time when uh, racism and segregation was in full swing here. Um, he received over uh, the length of his distinguished career 10 Golden Globe nominations, 2 Emmys, 6 BAFTAs. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the BAFTAs are the uh, equivalent of uh, the Academy Awards in the United Kingdom. And he was the Bohemian's ambassador uh, to Japan, 1997 to 2007. And in 2009, he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama. Um, many of his noteworthy and influential films include Porgy and Bess, A Raisin in the Sun, which of course later would uh, be a Broadway play, and uh, Sean, well, Sean Combs, P. Diddy, whatever he's going by nowadays, uh, starred in the role that uh, Sidney Poitier uh, played in the movie. Uh, also, of course, To Serve With Love, uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and not only was he an amazing actor, but the, the uh, many of the roles he chose, which he said was a conscious choice, that he wanted to defy stereotypes, made the conscious choice to uh, pick roles that 
just went and exposed the issues of the day and carried himself with class uh, because he knew the world was watching. Um, guess who's coming to dinner? Which just starred uh, Catherine Hepburn. Uh, of course, at that time, was very controversial. It came out, I believe, in 1965, if I'm correct, a year after the Levin case, which made it uh, legal for uh, interracial marriage. Prior to that time, it was illegal to marry someone here in the United States outside of your race. And guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, of course, centered around... Uh, Sidney Poitier being introduced to his white girlfriend's family um, and you know the issues of being in love you know in, in the that time of day coming from different backgrounds and it was the first film of its uh, kind to conquer that topic uh, and then of course in the heat of the night which later on uh, became a TV show starring Carol Connor uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Sidney Poitier was knighted by Queen Elizabeth in 1974. From 1995 to 2003, uh, Sir Poitier served as a member of the board of directors of the Walt Disney Company. So, uh, Sidney Poitier was someone who took uh, his responsibility within culture very seriously, looked outside of just movie roles. He uh, was an activist. Uh, he was supportive and part of the civil rights movement in uh, the 1960s and marched uh, in Selma with uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, and he was very supportive of Dr. King's uh, philosophy of uh, pacifism and and uh, nonviolence. Uh, he posted bail uh, for the uh, freedom riders and protesters in the 1960s. Uh, he consciously avoided taking roles that reinforced racial, racial stereotypes. Um, and he uh, quietly donated $70,000 in cash in 1964 to help fund uh, voting rights efforts after the murders of the Freedom Riders. So for those of you who do not know who, what the Freedom Riders are, you know, take this, you can take time after the show to, to do, do your research, um, but they don't always cover these things in school nowadays. And so the Freedom Riders were a group of students um, from the East Coast, both white and black, who were traveling down to the Deep South um, and bringing people to the polls to vote during uh, the time of Jim Crow South with a lot of the voter suppression um, laws uh, that were going on and making it very hard for uh, black citizens and citizen, non-white citizens to vote. And so these freedom riders were, were uh, you know, coming down into the south, and they got um, derailed by a group of KKK and beaten up and and lynched, and a few of them nearly escaped, uh, and then got arrested by cro crooked cops, and Sidney Poitier quietly 
um, donated seventy thousand um, dollars, you know, towards the, the efforts, um, and he was just such a hero, um, and uh, just someone who many people looked up to, uh, and he was one of our leaders, and it's sad you know as we continue to fight for the same same justices and fight against the same inequalities and states just rolling back in time now and trying to rewrite voting laws here um we struggle to have have leaders now um and sydney poitier was a leader on and off the screen so you know we thank him not only uh for the many uh, films that we grew up on and enjoy, but also just uh, for his courage and integrity and not wavering in walking this world with grace and fighting for others. So we're gonna take another break and uh, bringing you the famous uh, theme song uh, from To Serve With Love uh, by Lulu and uh, some of Sir Pr Poitiers of Reflections and on Words. And later in the show, we're very excited. We'll be welcoming platinum-selling, uh, Mona Grammy-nominated actress, author, and singer, Taylor Dane. Uh, we'll be talking, uh, playing today and talking about many of her big hits, uh, Tell It to My Heart, Love Will Lead You Back, we just played previously, uh, Shelter, uh, all the great songs, and we're going to be talking about uh, interviewing her and discussing her book, Taylor Dane, Tell It to My Heart, How I Lost My Shit, Conquered My Fear, and Found My Voice. So keep it locked into Style and Empowerment Chat with Lauren, friends, and we'll be right back after this. I did Lilies of the Field. I had no thought of Oscar, none. But I was taken with the material. I was, I was overwhelmed with the possibility of trying to create this particular guy. And I did create him. No thought of Oscar was the farthest thing from my mind, I can tell you that. I knew, I just felt that I was not going to win. But of course, I was there to experience the presence and say to the, the winners. The winner is Sidney Poitier. Well, when my name was called, I had no idea it was going to happen. I leaped up from my chair and right there in the aisle, I was saying, I want, I want, I want. The, the receipt of the Oscar. There is no honor in the motion picture business that exemplifies all the things that one could possibly reach for. Because it is a long journey to this moment, I am naturally indebted to Countless numbers of people, principally among whom are Ralph Nelson, James Poe, William Barrett, Martin Baum, and of course, the member of the Academy. For all of them, all I can say is a very special thank you. 
It was amazing. It was amazing, 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 amazing. I.
No matter how 
edition of Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends Radio. Um, this week's guest embodies all of those things. I am so beyond excited to welcome an internationally uh, Grammy-nominated, 75 million record-selling, fierce, fabulous, glamorous diva, author, singer, activist, mother, Taylor Dane! Yes. So uh, there's so much to talk about. So I'm just so excited. So we'll dive right in. So I mean, Taylor, you have been a veteran of this industry uh, for so many years. Um, you at a very young age discovered your voice what I always wonder you know with vocalists of your power and stature like when when that moment where you're like oh my god I have the sound that nobody else has that just came out of my body and realizing that this is special like when was that moment for you uh, I know it's very young Did you have vocalists that you looked up to uh, that shaped you that like were some of your favorites? Yes, who just got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ah, I was like, that's at least 20 years overdue. Of course, the 
and you know, a lot of those singers really cross genres. Like if you're talking about um, Steven Tyler and Aerosmith, they are, are such a unique group because Steven Tyler always brought in elements of soul into his singing and I really feel he was one of the first to do that and grit but then they crossed over into hip-hop they also crossed into like the power ballads and so you know I think it's a really great thing as an artist when you can move in lots of different lanes creatively sit back and look at the stats I mean it's just so amazing 75 million records sold like that's not a coincidence that's a movement uh, and just worldwide hits and now that the music industry has moved in the direction of streaming and it's more about downloads as opposed to people physically going out to the store and flipping through the records and the CDs and discovering an artist, right? It really just even more highlights uh, because you made a lot of those stats in the era where you had to go out and get your music, which means you really loved the artist. Yes. Now, of course, oh, my God. And then the songs are just. Yes, the the tuxedo and the and the and the dance ball glitter ball behind him and the white socks. Oh my God, I iconic. Me too. Yes, I love, I, uh, one of the first parts I always went to was the thank yous, because I always was intrigued, oh, well, who are the people behind it that are important that shaped the, shaped the person's work or the songs? I'd always look for, at the songwriters and the pictures. Uh, Exactly. And, and, and 
that was one of the things that I don't like about the whole digital and streaming and social media because at that time this was our way of how we got close to the artist felt a, a piece of the creative looking at everything on the record like uh, on the cover so now you also um, in the earlier part of your career speaking of Michael Jackson uh, went on tour uh, on the bad tour what an experience that must have been. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> what? Very much ahead of his time. And uh, of course, uh, Michael really was one of the first pop stars to have a concept album because Thriller and Bad, he was so ahead of his time and influenced so many. So what was it like um, being on the road uh, with him and just interacting? And I I'm sure it was quite the experience. I'm on single one. <laughs> hey, right. And he's Mm. just huge. I mean he was huge everywhere but I remember especially in the 80s he was so huge in the Asian market and Japan like they were falling over passing out crying in the streets yeah Wow. 
Ouch. Uh, and now, I, I often wonder, like, at that time, so many uh, huge hits, you know, tell it to my heart, I'll be your shelter, uh, don't rush me, uh, my favorite songs, every beat of my heart. And, you know, you're going from place to place, and it is uh, the pandemonium. How do you keep your, your grounding through through all that and just also have center and like self and some privacy because you want to be there for the fans but at the same point you need to maneuver do your job have your wind down time and everybody's like ah you know so what 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 you know is some of the ways you kind of find your your peace and center through all of that yeah yeah Right. My my time, my my time, my grounding time was really small, very small windows. You were going very early mornings because in those days you went to radio. <laughs> right, right, right. It wasn't like you know, thank God we have Zoom, thank God we mm-hmm. have Zoom. Believe me. Um, but we did a lot of radio shows very early morning, and then then I used to be going into you know more press and more press, and then I'd be going into Mm-hmm. So there's no way to really prepare you for that unless you are the child of somebody that's gone through that, physically gone through that. Right. But I mean, I had practice. I had, you know, years of being in New York and pounding it. Like, mm-hmm. And you started out on the club circuit. Yes. Now, and that that's so important, so so important. Uh, now, in yes, uh, and now in the early part of your career, you were discovered and signed by Clive Davis and Arista Records. I mean, that must have just been so exciting, not only to be signed, but Arista was iconic label, you know, Clive Davis, of course, discovered, mentored Whitney Houston, Dionne Warwick, so many amazing artists to be part of that roster must have just been so exciting. You're young and it's a blur.
Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, fashion and, and and beauty and all that is a large part of uh, a part of uh, the the mix of things. So, what is some of uh, the Taylor Dane beauty regimen and like your your kind of go to things that you're like I'm I must. Which is just didn't your grandmama used to say, Have some lemon water in the morning? That was always a thing. And as being a Jewish woman, it was always like chicken soup. These are all these war slash, they're more Ayurvedic, but they're very healing. And then, mm-hmm. of course, I do tea oil. That is actually that fat that allows it to be more satiated, but it also moves weight through you, fat through you. Now, when you're touring or when you're in the period where you're recording and, and writing, so the stamina of your voice is very much important uh, for what you do. Um, uh, so what are some of the things that you do uh, ritually, like when you're on tour, um, and keep it keeping, because I know everybody has, has their thing. So like, what what's your on-the-road kind of self-care, voice maintenance uh, stuff that you do? Right. 
so important not only practice but giving yourself and the downtime and I also think too when you're I know um, a lot of what I do I'm around people talking talking so you as a singer you're performing you're, the crowds it's awesome and you're connecting and everything but then there's also that point where it's like all the static in your head you need that quiet time so that way you can regenerate oh, I used to get so mad at my <laughs> yeah. What am I gonna do? Yabba dabba, you know, all I do is talk and blow out and you know. Right. Mommy's gotta just go in and shut it down. So you have a fantastic a style and so many iconic music videos. So what's your go to um, like when you're, because on the road fashion is different than appearance fashion and whatnot. So when you're on the road, what's kind of like your go-to must-have in, in your bag? And then what's your process of creating the look for each tour and performance? Well, when I'm doing a press tour, it's, it's very different. You know, mm -hmm. some days I'm doing three different interviews, so four or five. It just depends. Right. So I'll style. Nice. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I make things that are very, um, you know, flashy, fun that way, and then you have to layer. So I'm usually 
That's uh, Patty LaBelle's uh, move. She always, when she's really into the song, she kicks off her stiletto heels and walks around barefoot. (laughs) Now, uh, do you uh, like to work with uh, just uh, the major label couture designers, or do you also um, uh, work with independent designers as well? Right. <laughs> and then you have to get into the art of working with somebody to structure it, build it, bone it, you know, mm-hmm. these really things because if you are layering, that's where you know like your shoes Right. Uh, it's like it's like fun, and then you you always feel so proud of yourself when you find that gem that you had to dig for, and you're like, oh, this is a, this piece is awesome. Makeup is always glam and fabulous. <laughs> now, um, of course, a big part of um, our show is about self-acceptance and body positivity, um, and just not allowing any part of the world and reality to put you in a box. Um, but in the entertainment industry, I mean, it's making some some movements forward than how it was in like the 80s and 90s but you know a lot of times especially then they want to kind of put artists in a box and say you've got to look like this and you're only relevant up to this time and all these stereotypes and oh if you're over this and then and this and you got to look like this and you got to and there people will on social media like kind of analyze feel entitled to talk about people's box bodies and and which i think is just so wrong and how do you as an artist you know because you have all these fans loving you and everything but the other part of that whoever you are you know people with negative mindsets are like oh tearing people apart and there's that pressure so uh can you just talk to us a bit about how you've navigated through all that and just kept your self-esteem and positive body image and not let people feel like you have to conform to a certain way well i'm a woman let's just start with that exactly
Yeah. You know, uh, there's a lot of double standards. Uh, I mean, there's so many double standards in our society. And that's when you receive your messages, you know, most most clearly and, and reflect and find answers and perspectives on things when you're first affirming and loving yourself and having those still moments and being good to yourself. Thoughts are projecting your reality. 
It's a journey. It's a journey, and it's it's retra it's retraining your mind to be po to be positive, to make healthier choices, and that's not only just what we eat or who we hang with. It's what we what we put in our own minds, like you said, not the self defeatist negative. today uh, uh taylor dane tell it to my heart uh how i lost my shit conquered my fear and found my voice uh, such an awesome awesome book uh and i got my my little autographed copy <laughs> and there are so many great photos uh through through the book uh you know uh to show the audience, get a little, little little preview of some of the goodies in here. All right. And that's the self-exploring side of me. Did you know I fly fish? I didn't. That's amazing. So now in the book, um, uh, Taylor shares 
um, a lot of her experiences growing up and her home life and uh, transcending some of the more difficult uh, things she had to deal with. And uh, there's uh, so much inspiration in this book. I just want to share a little bit uh, with the audience to inspire them to go out and get it. Uh, so in 2016, Taylor uh, gave a, a TED woman a talk, which was a mixture of singing and just her reflecting on uh, her life. And speaking about gifts, uh, she just said such an inspiring um, a piece here uh, where she says here you see I believe the power of our greatness lies in the very seed of being in our DNA I believe we are born with it every one of us born with our own unique seed and our own unique gifts and which is just so well said and it's the path to uh, take finding that gift and then doing the most with it to be the most impactful and you know that truly is is the journey through life yeah I mean not every child gets watered that way or that that little, that little place where they feel they, they've actually you know mostly you see that with sports but like even a musician or a designer there's so many things that one is Everybody has it. I don't, you know, I'm just saying, everybody has their seed, how we nurture it, how we water it, how we let it grow, how we blossom. And uh, that's really the growth. That's the journey right there. Mm -hmm. you know, when we reach different goals and different, you know, different levels in our lives, you know, and like where I am today is different. I don't want to need to be a mom anymore. I've accomplished something that was really huge for me, and I am a mom, so I know And you're such an empowering and inspiring woman, and even the way in which you tackled motherhood. And we, you know, we're paying tribute to Betty White um, before this segment, another woman who just defied social norms. And, and just the way you decided, look, I want to be a mom. Um, I'm, I'm not married right now. I'm not with someone, but this is something that I want to do. And, and you went out and, and did it um, and defies a lot of things that get beaten in our head that there's only one way to do it, whether it's music or a film or a role. You know, if we want it in life, we have to go out and, and get it. Mm. This was in 
Wow. And, um, listen, I'm probably more successful than any two parents, you know, and I can, I can financially back this. Emotionally, I mean, you know, I've got to see this through, but, and, uh, it was a And now, how, uh, of course, I know you took off a couple of years, you know, from touring and recording uh, to raise your children. So what was, like, the transition back and how what are some of your keys to juggling i mean i know your children are older now but when they were younger and you were still performing um how did you juggle all that um effectively especially being a single mom listen i had to so mm -hmm. you know i felt like i was dad Yeah. Did you ever bring your kids on the road with you? a strong foundation and organization is definitely a key to balancing it all.
So, of course, in addition to being a, just such an amazing, iconic vocalist, uh, you also are an activist, and you uh, lobbied with the VH1 Save the Music Foundation uh, for, uh, the, we talk about this all, all the time, like <laughs> live and breathe this, the importance of music education uh, in the schools, and especially having children of your own, you know, I'm sure that issue hit very close to home. Um, the arts is just so important. Uh, so can you uh, talk a bit how uh, about your uh, linking up with the VH1 Foundation and just, you know, being moved to uh, testify and to what that's, that's like. That must be a very head trippy moment. Yeah. Now, what's your process? Also having an environment where you feel safe to be vulnerable and have the trial and error in the journey of finding your your way through your talent is why it's so important with musical and art education. Listen, I didn't find it with the flute. <laughs> I, I
Now, I know some of your songs... I know some of your songs you wrote yourself and others you co-wrote and others were written for you. So what's your process? I'm sure it's different when you're writing the song from scratch organically. When a song is presented to you and then you pick your producers or the label tells you what producers they're going to assign to the song and you're starting that process of the vocal styling, What's that like, you know, that process of saying how, how you want to pitch it or the bridge, the break, what kind of music you want with the lyrics? Uh, can you uh, give us some insight in, uh, into that process? Well, I'm in the middle of it pretty much right now. There's a, a song we're recording, an uh, original song, one I didn't write. But for me, when I hear, you know, um, a song and I'm considering it, First thing I usually listen to is the melody of it, see if it, if it builds, if it goes someplace. Not just the melody. Then next is the lyric. Is it believable? Is it something that I can say and swear by it for years, right? But, but also, will it really hone it or will it hit? Because that's my stuff. Will it hit a place in people's uh, psyche? And will it develop an energy and will they believe it? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I can speak. That's a hit. Like, I, I don't want to put myself in that position. I know what I love and what feels good to me, and I've been proven wrong. If I say, oh, that's a hit, that's not. But for me, being able to vocalize it is a big thing because I now trust my instrument so much more. So we had to play around with a lot of keys on this record that I'm working on now because there are some covers on here that are we're transposing from male perspective into a female perspective. How do you sing those lyrics? Also, what key does that feel? Or am I going into, am I moving into a different key in my register to give the song what it deserves in this portion of it? So these are, there's a lot of mechanics going through, mm -hmm. mental, but also, just like any actor, their decision making, they, they are so much more comfortable the greater the actor with their decision making. Like Meryl Streep probably makes decisions, split second decisions that you'll never see, but her instincts are so on. Mm -hmm. You know, these are exceptional actors, so younger actors, you're watching them making decisions and you know, growing into this and becoming and becoming. Same with an artist, although musical artists, they expect, like, your first record, if you have seven hits, they're like, that's the best you'll ever do, that's it, that's it, that's it, stop the press. You know what I mean? Because that's, music is such like a young man's sport, like, people always are like, oh, that's it, there's never, you know, those are the greatest music they ever Now, one of the things I also always wondered, when you're doing a song and, you know, you're mixing and you get your different versions and you're tweaking and, you know, the song tribunal is, is voting and all that process, what's that moment where you say, I guess is it just a gut thing where you say, okay, 
it's done. Like, that's it. You know, we got it. It doesn't need more layers of this or that. You know, it's done. You know, send it to masters. Like, what's that that uh, barometer or process when you know, hey, this, this is a done song? Excited that that you are wor are working on new music, <laughs> and I I can't wait uh, to hear it. And we'll definitely be uh, be playing playing it here when uh, when it comes out. Uh, so uh, now uh, you, we touched on this briefly. You also um, have dipped your toe in the world of acting. Of course, you were in Elton John's uh, very successful musical Aida, which was his first his first Broadway musical. What an exciting experience that must have been. Yeah. Well, Aida, it's so funny. You think of uh, well, it was also Tim Rice. You know? Yes. Tim and Elton did, uh, yeah, it was, it was Disney. It was one of their first productions on Broadway. I know there was uh, Lion King. Mm-hmm. And uh, worked on that. So, yeah, it was really exciting. And that was, like, 2001, 2000. Um, it was amazing being on Broadway. And then I went on to do Cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did something with Mel Brooks a little bit after that. And we were working on Funny Girl, believe it or not, with Jules Stein before. Oh, wow. Majority of the race, yeah. So, really interesting when it to live theater and musicals. Um, it's really, it was so funny. They brought me in, you know, it was five years in the making. I, you know, it's, it's just takes such a long journey writing, the writing and the, and the, uh, and, uh, the trial and error of scenes and parts. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And acting is, uh, again, a muscle, right? So, good actress. I haven't, I'm not behind the camera every day. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, you know, a lot of times people are surprised when singers transcend into acting. But I always thought it was a natural evolution because in singing, you are, you're performing, you're going into another dimension, you're communicating, and also with music videos, there is a degree of acting with music videos and in stage performance. True, but you're, you're, you're talking somebody else's lines. Right, exactly. Somebody else's truth. You know, I've had acting coaches say to me, he goes, what's on the page? And I go, oh, okay. And he goes, that was paid for already. You're auditioning. You don't have the job yet. What's 
Yes. if you're not challenged you're not growing and you always need to push yourself towards doing something different and just you know uh, mixing it up and sometimes things get a little mundane you're like well I've been doing okay go it's always a great thing to do something new and then it, it filters into the other things you do Exactly. And then if the grit and gumption to try and put something out there that wasn't there before. too to see other people's uh, perspective you know and and point of view and not just looking like how you see the world because there's a big well, I didn't understand that until you put a record out that is for the popular right. right then you are like okay so it's being judged by the popular and then once you get a taste of that you're like wow oh then you want to keep you know record companies they just want to keep churning that out mm-hmm Right, right. Exactly. And they really changed the whole game, the whole industry, pop and pop culture. Yeah. So. Mhm. Yes. And when you have fans that, yes, 
and your fans that love you they evolve with you and 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 take that ride with you over the years which is a a, a beautiful thing and uh we all love you taylor um and uh, you know, I just want to say, like, uh, just taking a step off of what you were saying in your book about gifts and, you know, finding uh, finding your it and everything. You know, uh, life takes turns, and when you're younger, you don't always see that that part that's about to be discovered in the right circumstances and bring you uh, to a path that you you never saw. Um, it's just an amazing. Um, a moment just uh, one of the things that I love about this and um, having control over my whole brand and everything I do is to be able to meet artists that I grew up with that you know I was listening to maybe when I was having hard times or you know coming up in my youth and things like that and to have these deep rich textural conversations is just amazing and when we talk about gifts I do believe a big part of it is DNA and we all have gifts but I think some of us are extra special and have an extra level of gifts that come from God through the DNA and when you have artists like yourself um, Whitney Aretha uh, Mary J Blige you know the grades with the talent is so big and beyond that it, it, it transcends body it transcends DNA that it really is God coming through and really delivering you to touch all these people that I always say in the best artists and music uh, and the talent is just so big it can't be explained through just DNA you know that's God touching that person and giving that person that extra sauce and saying you're special and you're going to be on a path that's going to touch a lot of people and you truly have and I just thank you for all the amazing music and it just brought me and millions of people around the world so much joy your courage you're just such a, a competent and bold and a woman you know a great role model and just an all-around fantastic person <laughs> so I want to make sure everybody goes out and picks up your fabulous book and you are on on tour right now I heard a rumor from Yay! So I heard a rumor from a little birdie that you might be coming to Philadelphia. Yes, I believe we are. I just saw new dates yesterday. So, yes, you guys just go to uh, taylordane.com. Obviously, my, that's my official site, or my IG is real taylordane, Facebook, and you can see all uh, what's starting to come in on 2022. I know we have like 20 dates up right now, and it'll just keep filling in. Awesome. Well, we're going to jump into another another block of my Taylor Dane favorites. Of course, you can follow me on Instagram at the Laura Mazurk. Like and follow the Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends Facebook page. It's been such a joy just uh, speaking with you and, and meeting you. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you on the road. And I thank you for your time and your wisdom. And you're just a delight. Ever. 
I've been so hype all week. It's been so uh, so amazing just to have this time together. And uh, and and the dev is is awesome and is the sauce. Nadav, Nadav. yes, yes, your team is fantastic, and and a reflection of how awesome you are. So have a fantastic day. Thank you so much.
Love could be 